what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Our conversations are designed to elevate your thinking and entice you to take a conscious and inspirational approach toward leadership and business. Before we get into today's conversation, I've got two announcements for you. First, we've launched the Gusto Now platform. It's a growth and transformation e-learning platform dedicated to awakening meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose in people, leadership, and organizations. It features leadership development and other professional development courses in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. You can learn more at gusto-now.com. Secondly, my book, Purpose Ignited, How Inspirational Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause, is due out November 17th. It's on Amazon now for pre-order. I wrote the book to turn readers on and ignite their passion, inspiration, and purpose to make a contribution worthy of their one precious life and create leaders who radically improve the workplace as we know it. It was so much fun and came from the pandemic, so here we go. Now, on to this week's program. Today, we're turning the tables on the usual programming, and I'll be on the other side of the mic. Previous guest, Danny Gutnick, is on the other side, and this idea was hatched after he was on the program a few months ago. Danny is fascinated with people and organizations that intend to live life fully expressing their lives uniquely and by doing extraordinary work. He is the CEO of Pathways, which helps clients transform people processes in every phase of the organization from recruiting and retention to leadership development and cultural transformation. He's the author of Meaning at Work and Its Hidden Language. In this conversation, you'll become acquainted with a method Danny developed called Essence Mining, which he will use with me to depict my own path to purpose and how I express it today. So here goes, Danny, welcome back to Working on Purpose on the other side of the mic. Happy to happy to be on board. I guess I'll just dive right into it, Elise, and um, start with the interview. So um, just let's start off by actually telling us where you were born. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born actually in Colville, Washington, which is like northeastern Washington, just under the Canadian border. People often ask me where my accent is from, and I think it's because I'm close to Canada. So that's where I was raised. And so I spent most of my or all of my my early formative years in the northwest. Wow. Did you, what did your parents do when you were growing up? They were very, very successful first farmers and then restaurateurs, though my mother was married five times by the time I was 28. And I got husband, she got husband number five and my, my dad when I was in second grade. And so I call him my dad. Mm. Did you, did you, did they give you any sort of models for work or ideas about uh, work in general? Absolutely. Absolutely. I talk about this in my book. It was a way of life. They really taught that work was something noble. This is something, this is the way you spent your life. This is what you did. Um, this is how you went through life and, and were a service to other people. So when you were young and you were kind of getting that idea, what, what ideas did you have about what you wanted to be when you were growing up and going into the work world? Are you ready? Are you sure you want to hear this? 
Absolutely. Uh, I was very, very clear and firm in, I think, by second or third grade that I had one singular aspiration in life, and that was to become a horse. So I had a horse of my own, Sugarfoot, and I, he was my best friend, and I practiced being a horse. I went around on all fours in the house and gave my siblings rides on my back. I whinnied, practicing my winning. My parents were horrified, but that was what I knew I wanted to be when I, when I grew up. Wow. So, so <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> wait, 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 what came after that? I mean, did you have any thoughts about, I mean, gosh, veterinarian school or anything like that? Or? <laughs> um, you know, for, after I got over that and that whole vision left me and I, I really was kind of perplexed for quite a while, right? Until I got into high school and, and thought that maybe psychology could be a, a good place for me. But for the longest time, I went, I don't know. Wow. So, so you went to high school and then when did, when did psychology register on the radar? So it's interesting. I had, I had, um, when I was in high school, I was one of those kind of old soul people and just kind of had a rare maturity at the time. And people would just, you know, come to me and ask for advice and direction. And I just had my, I had, I was just really comfortable in my own skin and, and I did study some psychology. So in, in my latter years of high school, that's what I thought I probably should study. I didn't have the time, which is part of the ongoing unfolding story. But that's what I knew um, then, and I ultimately came back to later. Were there any other topics in school that you were really interested in? Yeah, um, it was funny. Back then, you know, I was graduating in 1983, and you asked the, 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 the counselor what to study, where to go, and they said, well, what, what courses did you like? That's what they ask you. And, and I liked my business courses, and specifically, I happened to be a great typist. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I did study. I went to I went to I went to Portland and studied eight months of business college and accounting, et cetera. And that's kind of where I, I started professionally. So so when you went to college and and studied business, um, did, you know, take us through that experience and then up to your first job. Mm, my first job is super important. So. Um, so while I was still living in where I grew up in Hermiston, Oregon, where my parents had me working for them in the restaurant business, which was an enormous, huge part of my unfolding, I, it, it took me from a really shy, quiet kid to a very confident, capable young person. Incredible experience. But while I was still in high school and waiting tables, I also had a co-op job. And I was working for, the, for this pumping company as like an admin person. And I met the owner of the company who happened to live in Portland, Oregon. And um, he said these magical words to me one day, Danny. He said, if you ever find your, your, yourself in Portland, you've got a job with me in Portland. And growing up in a town with 4,800 people, that was my ticket out. So my first job was after I got through those eight months of business college, I went to work for Roland Hartle in his real estate commercial development company, again, as his, his assistant. And that was my first job. And it was an amazing start to my life. Wow. So what was, what was interesting about it? getting hired and then later getting fired <laughs> so oh, okay. so you know i just thought it was the greatest thing is 1983 84 i'm making 800 bucks a month i got a cute little little apartment in downtown portland i think i've got the you know the world by the tail i don't know any better and and he was so fun to work with he gave me a lot of stretch assignments and he was just fun and jubilant and i learned so much um, but then when about 18 months in, the other major part of that import of the job was he literally one day on the way out to lunch opened the door wide and on his way out over his shoulder, he said, you have to get out of here. You have to go see the world, get an education, do something with yourself. But before you go, hire your replacement. 
and the door shut. Wow. That's fantastic. It was so fantastic, you know, because I was never probably going to leave. I didn't know any better. So here's the important part about that, Danny. I didn't know I could go to college. My parents were entrepreneurs. We never talked about college, right? So a bachelor's, uh, two masters and a PhD letter, I think I could check that box. That thing about being, you know, in other parts of the world, I didn't know anything about that, right? Um, And so lived lived in Spain and Brazil and speak those languages. I've been in many places for work and Anyway, he totally saved so, my so life. That's amazing. So when you were there, you, you mentioned that, that he gave you stretch assignments and things like that. Were there certain things that, that you really resonated with or things that you didn't resonate with when you were in that job? You know, that's interesting. That was, you know, this is a few years ago. <laughs> I, I don't mm-hmm. remember so much about the job itself um, really resonating. I guess what I do remember is I love that he gave me such, you know, kind of a rope to hang myself. I remember once he gave me this this assignment to go and create this some kind of like computer program for something in accounting and I completely messed it up. But he gave me all, you know, he, he just gave it to me and like, just go handle it, just take it. And I, I've always since realized, I, one, I like being in charge. I like doing things that are, you know, are, that I don't know how to do that stretch me. So I guess that would be the one thing I remember the most. I loved it. Well, the other thing was I loved interacting with all of his clients and feeling like I was his confidant. Ooh, that's another important thing. That was just a big, a new right there. And that's what I do today, right? I get to be, I get to have very intimate relationships with my clients. I get to hold their confidence and be a space for them. Really like I was for him. Yeah. So, so you, um, he kicks you out of the nest. What do you go do next? Well, it took me a, a couple of years of kind of bumbling around trying to figure out what to do from there because I understood that I, I had to go. I had to go do something. Um, but ultimately, at age 24, I got myself into college. And that was like, all right, now this is the ding, 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 ding. Okay, this is this is the right place to be. And um, totally needing. I've, I've really since really understood, Danny, that I cannot live without the ongoing intellectual feeding. And so that was the, the next the next stop along the journey. So what did you study when you went back to college? Well, so the first eight months were really just kind of like business school. So it wasn't really college. And that was accounting when I was 18. So when I got into mm-hmm. to college at 24, I, I, I studied really communication. So I've got, I, I got an associate's in communication. And um, I, also did, I also learned French, which was really important. I wanted to learn piano and mm-hmm. French at that, at that time. And that turned out to be a really, really important decision because of my future travel. But that's how it started, communication. Wow. So what, what was it about communication and that, that kind of captured your interest? You know, I'll tell you, it's so interesting. And I, this is such a great conversation because you're helping me see things from a very different way than I, I have from my own story so far. So thank you for this cool experience. Um, you know, I think I, what I really got present to is when I went to go work for my parents in the restaurant business, I started off this really quiet, introverted, bookish person. I think I was really destined to be the town librarian because what I knew was books and study. And um, when my parents asked me to work for, well, not asked, but kind of commanded that I come to work for them in the restaurant, I developed this tremendous ability to relate to other people and really develop more of like a, a showmanship. Like right? I could I could perform in front of a group. So I could go to a, a, a group of 25 people, greet them all and be charismatic and fun. 
get all of their orders and memorize them in my head without writing anything down and seamlessly deliver the experience, right? So there was something about presenting that not even today that I find that I was I was gravitated to and about conveying a message and developing what it is that you say. So I'm sure that that was part of the attraction. So you mentioned something interesting about delivering an experience um, that, that jumps out as, as so, so what does that mean to you? Yeah, so, you know, looking back again, that just the transformation of the four years that I worked for my parents in, in, in high school in the restaurant, uh, amazing journey and discovery. Um, but that experience, you know, bringing people in, so, and I still do it today, right? So, and it's never left me as, when people come into your space, this is really interesting, actually, because when people come into your space, I always felt like it was so important. They're coming into our restaurant. I want them to feel welcome, wanted, and glad they said yes. That's the first thing. So I want them I want them to feel seen and connected. I want to I want to delight them. I want to and whatever they wanted. There were times when I used to affect different kinds of accents over the years as I waited tables to be whatever it is they wanted me to be. And it was just something that was a way to engage them over the moment of eating that that was really important to me and and what's distinguishing about that Danny is that that was about receiving people into my world right and I still do that when I entertain for personally but now today so much of my work is about going into somebody else's environment and giving them an experience so but there's something about giving the experience that's really important so you you finish college with a with a communications degree I finished my associates Two years in. Oh, yes. your associates. Okay, and then and then what happened? Oh well, then I, then the, another part of the journey continues in that I was just finishing my associates when I started dating this man named Arthur. Um, he was an oil oil and gas executive guy, and about a month into the relationship, he said, "Hey, guess what? My company's going to move me to Madrid, Spain." And I put my hand out to shake it, shake his. I said, you're going to do great. It's going to be fantastic for you. Oh, what a great opportunity. And he pushed my hand away and he goes, I think you should come with me. And I thought, you know, I don't have any debt. I don't have a career. I'm a college student. I think I'm going to say yes to this. And so four months in of knowing this guy, followed him to Madrid, Spain. And um, now that's where the language comes in because I did use my French to get around some of Europe. So by the time I got to Spain, I'd learned some Spanish. I could easily get around. And then I learned about distance programming, and I continued my bachelor's degree with the University of Iowa and just mm. kept moving. Wow. So what did you get your bachelor's in? So it's liberal studies. And the fun part mm. of the story, the really fun part of the story, is I would contracted with all my professors at the University of Iowa for all my courses in advance on all my books. And then when I was in Madrid, Spain, literally, I didn't have a work visa, so there were times when I would get on, you know, the URL and I would get a pass and by myself while my while my boyfriend worked, I would go and gallivant over Western Europe and I would do my assignments while I was on the train. So I would literally do my assignments. I'd get off the train, go find a fax machine in 1991 and fax my assignments into the University of Iowa. And what I didn't know was at the other end of that fax machine, they were like, who is this Elise person? Here's something from Italy. Here's something from Spain. Here's something from Denmark. Here's something from Germany. Who is this person, right? So it was an incredible experience and it continued. Actually, there's more to that story, but we should probably grab our first break. You ready? Sounds good. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We're on the air today with Danny Gutnick, who is fascinated with people and organizations that intend to live fully expressed lives uniquely and by doing extraordinary work. He is the CEO of Pathways and the author of Meaning at Work and Its Hidden Language. He joins us today from Phoenix, Arizona. Today, we are doing something unusual, and that's he, he is essence mining my life and my path to purpose. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Danny Gutnick. He's the CEO of Pathways, which helps clients transform people processes in every phase of the organization from recruiting and retention to leadership development and cultural transformation. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. All right, Danny, so what's next? So you're traveling across Europe, you're, you're faxing in uh, your homework, <laughs> I'm guessing, going to the University of yeah. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. What, why, why pursue that particular degree? Yeah, this is, it was an important thing. So um, what I want to also present is that, you know, p- the people that you managed to recruit in your life are very important. And my boyfriend, Arthur, was a really important person to me, 10 years older than me. And he was a Jewish guy from Chicago. And when we got to, to Spain, he said, you know, you've got to keep going with your education. This is Education is something no one can ever take away from you. So think about that as a Jewish person. No one can ever take that away from you. I really appreciate how supportive and guiding he was to me. So together we found this big book of um, uh, universities that had a distance program. And it was important for me that I chose one that had an actual brick and mortar. Um, it wasn't just, you know, ABC University kind of thing. So that was the first thing. And secondly, what I really realized I wanted to study was more like liberal studies, liberal liberal arts, and that's what I did. So my bachelor's is, is in liberal studies, and so is my master's. So um, that's what. That's why what is that? Why, why did you cho- choose that? I, 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 I guess I gravitated, uh, was again, the divining rod, as I like to say, working its way in, in my life, in that I wanted to, I wanted more of like a classic in, you know, in education. So I wanted, to, I, I wanted to study, you know, anthropology, I wanted to study philosophy, I wanted to study history, I wanted to study a little something about the arts, religion, right? I kind of want to understand that, that those kinds of things, those elements that really comprised the human condition. Hmm. So you, how long did you stay in Europe and when did you decide to come back? So we were in Madrid for six months, crazy, amazing, beautiful experience, literally went all over Western Europe together and not, you know, also my, my little, my little jaunts as well. And then six months into that, he comes back to me, Arthur, and he says, "Uh, guess what? Next leg of the journey, they want to send us to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to get off the bus and go back to Portland, Oregon and do my life again. He goes, I'll do anything to make you stay. Okay. So we moved to Rio de Janeiro in August of 1991 and spent two years there. 
it was an amazing experience. And then I got my Portuguese from that. Hmm. And, and when did you finish your degree when you were in Rio de Janeiro? Yeah, so I literally, I was, I was a full-time dedica- dedicated student. I, ha- I had, Danny, I had a life that ever, most people would kill for, frankly. I'm 26 years old. I live in a beautiful house. My boyfriend is an executive in a big, large company. Um, we have a maid, a chauffeur, and a gardener. I travel all the time with him for his business. I don't, I'm not working because I don't have a visa. So what I do is I pour myself into my studies. And so I was able to finish my bachelor's degree, I think it was January of 93 is when I finished it, something like that. And then literally the next day started my master's degree. So take us take us to the next step of your journey. What happens after Rio de Janeiro? Yeah, I got, so this is really important, really important for us, a, a conversation about essence is that as wonderful as that life was, Danny, I really, really suffered in that time and that I just felt like I was a flag in someone else's wind and I wanted to fly my own flag. I wanted, I felt like I was just taking from life. I wasn't giving anything back to it. I wasn't being of service and it just killed me. There were so many times when Dalva, our beautiful maid, would come and find me crying in the house and I'm sure she thought, what a crazy woman. Well, she's got everything. What is she crying about? And so I left in August of 93 and came back to Portland and left the relationship and came back just to make my own life. I needed to do that and went through a series of mm. sales jobs and, you know, found my way, bought my own house and, you know, finally moved from Portland to Seattle and that So did part, you jump right in, right, right into the sales immediately? No, it's a, I, had a, I had a better, there's still a better story to that. So I, when I came, this is so important. Oh my gosh. When I came back in August of 93, just think about that. I had become a very different human being than I was when I left. And I did not know how to put that new human being back into the place that I came from. And so I just kind of thought, well, I need to finish my master's. I'm halfway through my master's. What can I do that lets me be peaceful, lets me really have the time that I need to throw myself into my studies and just, you know, eke out a living while I figure out what I'm going to do next. And the opportunity came when somebody, when this woman offered to, teach me and let me buy from her her very high-end residential cleaning business and so Mm. I did that and I learned how to really clean you know very high-level homes very 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 well so I went from having a maid to being a maid and it turned out to be just what I needed to do because I had all that time to myself it was I it was my own business I did it I also did the cleaning as well Um, and then I finished my master my master's and started into my sales jobs about a year later and I, I'm sure you found that cleaning helps you also mentally compartmentalize things that you're thinking about and, and pondering. Yeah, and I can tell you for sure that I can trace it to I loved walking into, uh, you know, a really messy, dirty, disorganized home and leaving it beautifully organized and with a statement. I love that. And so today, my, my work environment, if it's not clean and tidy, I am not productive. I map it over to that for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so what happened next? You, you, you're cleaning. You finish your degree while you're cleaning. Yep, I did. I finished my master's, and then I moved. I moved. So I started some sales jobs in Portland. I, 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 I sold um, high-end um, health club memberships. I was really good at that because I was in great shape. Still, I still. That's important to me. Um, let's see. And then I sold. Oh, get this. I sold flour, the the baking ingredient flour, by the trainload. Um, and and then I moved up to Seattle to fit to to continue to do that in a bigger capacity, and when I did that, that's where actually I it's 
that's where what I would call my my early onset midlife crisis began, Danny. Hmm. So I was in my early 30s, 32, 33, something like that. And I had a good life. I'm like, look, I got a, I got a beautiful, nice home, one in Portland, one in Seattle. I have a decent car. I get to travel. I get to go on vacation. I got really nice friends. But the, the work that I was doing, I was selling flour, which was great. But there was no intellectual rigor there. And I just thought, oh, there can't, this cannot be all there is to life. And so I started thinking, what else can I do? And so finally, that's when I realized I, I don't want to have an affair. I don't want to, I don't want to buy a crazy new sports car. I don't want to go to an ashram in, in India. I think I'll do a PhD. <laughs> that was my answer to the midlife crisis. And I think it was good for me. And that's, that was, that was the end. That was the late 1990s. And I would tell you that definitely continued my, my path to purpose as I pursued those studies. No question. So did you quit the job and pursue your PhD or did you no. just? No, not together. Yeah. So what I did was I left, it was kind of in tandem. I ended up leaving the um, flower sales job and this was late 1998. And back then IT was booming. I'm in Seattle. So I easily found a, a, a sales job selling information technology staffing. And that is where I hit the jackpot. I went, oh my gosh, here it is. My product is people. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> um, and, and it was, and we were focused on work. I got to be able to learn about their lives and what did they want to, what they wanted to, to make happen in their lives through this process and then place them in work that they found interesting. Um, so then that's where the juxtaposition of people and work showed up for me. And I was really good at that. I was really good in, I was so I, I sold those staffing services and then I became a consultant as a recruiter helping to, to build out recruiting departments for other organizations and did that work while I worked on my PhD. Um, that's what did you like that about that? Yeah, what, what pulled you in? What? No question. I loved, I loved the intimacy of it because you know, recruiting, as you know, right, recruiting people or talking to people about their careers and what they want to do is really an intimate conversation. And it's it's one that I always held it very close in honor to my heart that I was privileged to get to hear this about people's lives. And so that's how I learned how to interview and understand life story and understand meaning and work, which I later then researched for my for my Ph.D., um, so I was pulled to that, and then it, the whole notion that it's centered on the world of work, which I always found sacred. So people and work, perfect combination for me. So I did recruiting for five years while I did my PhD. And your PhD was specifically what? So it's with the Field and Graduate University, and it's in it's in human development. And so I had learned that's where the divining rod came back around. I said that I learned about psychology when I when I was in high school. I came fully back in circle and the PhD is essentially it's a psychology and sociology degree hmm so and then and then what did you what did you study for your PhD what what did you kind of focus on your research yeah oh I loved it oh it's so great so um I I wanted to, I was here I was placing all these IT people in these really cool jobs and they were in my view they were changing how we communicate how we practice healthcare how we travel how we how planes move through the sky and I just thought it must be really amazing to get to do this work and so I thought to ask um, the people IT people what did their work mean to them and I wanted to know what was how was it related to their sense of identity and, and so I interviewed 25 IT leaders, and I discovered at the time these five modes of engagement, which were directional in nature. Either you were expressing yourself through your work, it was resonant with you, it fit with you, it informed you, it conflicted with you, et cetera, like that. That's what I, I found at the time, and 
um, people loved it when I talked about it, and they would say, when are you going to write a book about that? And I'm like, oh, it's just a research. You know, it's just a dissertation. I can't write a book about it. And it just laid follow for a long time, but it kept working on me. That whole meaning thing, the identity thing kept working on me as I went along in my career from there. What was it about identity that hmm. – why fixate on that? Well, what I've I what I've really come to identity was really important. Oh yeah, here we go. Now you're you're, you're pulling back something for me here. Um, I got very present when I lived in Brazil, Danny. That identity was important um, because I was in a different culture, and there's something about being immersed in a different culture that helps you understand more of who you are because your difference your differences stand out. Um, and so I just really became aware of you know, who I was, who I was striving to become. And I knew that I was always striving to become something more anyway, which is a part of identity. But identity is is a, is a behavior driver. It's also, it also informs how we make our choices and how it is that we, how it is that we talk to ourselves about ourselves and to others about ourselves. So it's really this incredibly anchoring aspect that was really compelling for me and still is. And then you can look at it in, in relation to purpose and then it becomes really interesting. So I'm, I'm curious, take money out of the equation. If you were, you're pursuing your PhD, you're, you've got a career in recruiting at the same time. If you had to do one or the other and give one up and just stick with it, you know, for a while, what, which one would it have been? Oh, I would have to, it would be the PhD, it would be the research. I mean, I, I am, I am very much a person who needs to cogitate. I need to think, I need to learn, I need to delve. Um, and that's going to, that's going to be a forever thing. My mother used to say in, with, you know, with horror, when are you going to be through with school? <laughs> like, I hope never, mom. Yeah. So the continual learning piece in your, you know, throughout your whole journey has been there. Absolutely. And it will, I think it will always be there today. Even today, I'm still working on a, on a, a diplomate program in logotherapy, which is kind of like doing another PhD program. So yeah, it still continues. Yeah. What what is it that what is it that that draws you in about that's just about the study and the learning? I mean, outside of just learning, what are the topics that you've found that maybe you've come down this funnel? It's been wider, and now it's getting kind of more refined and more pinpointed. Yeah. Well, let me let me just sort of say some of the things that it's not. I'm I'm not a person. You know, I'm not an astronomer. I don't. Economics doesn't really interest me. Politics doesn't really interest me. Um, but the kinds of things that interest me and that I continue to study are uh, motivation, uh, meaning, identity, uh, logotherapy, and that's another part, a big part of what I'm doing, um, energy, growth, and transformation. So those are the, the kind of areas that I'm actually still studying today that I'm working to further extend my own methodology and my own ongoing um, value contribution, if you will, so to really refine how it is that I work with people. So those are my, those are my sweet spots. Mm. What what what's so compelling about them to you, just personally? They are they're the water I swim in. You know, I almost can't distinguish myself from them. I'm so if I if I look at like for example logotherapy, logotherapy is a good way to kind of start because logotherapy is essentially teaches that meaning is our ultimate motivator in life it's it's the thing that we all want to pursue and therefore it's actually our ultimate energy source and that's really interesting so energy is really important to me if you think about how fast do i talk how fast do i walk there's all that's energy right and so i'm very i'm very fixated on the notion of energy and becoming potential and you and i talked about potential in our conversation i'm aligned with you on that 
And and so what does that take to, to always be pursuing your potential? It takes energy, it takes effort, it takes reach. It doesn't happen when you're sitting calmly on the couch and you know somebody you know taps you on the shoulder and says, "Hey, I'm here. You you reach some new new level potential." Um, you know, it it takes something, and I love being that catalyzing force with people. I love doing that. It's good. Is it time for another break? It is. Let's grab our last break. You're you you're better at this than me, and this is good. I love it. <laughs> I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're in the air with Danny Gutnick, who was fascinated with people and organizations that intend to live to live fully expressed life uniquely and by doing extraordinary work. He's the CEO of Pathways and the author of Meaning at Work and its Hidden Language. He joins us today from Phoenix, Arizona. Stay with us. After the break, we're going to continue the conversation on the path to purpose. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Danny Gutnick, who's the CEO of Pathways, which helps clients transform people processes in every phase of the organization, from recruiting and retention to leadership development and cultural transformation. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. What's next, Danny? Oh. Okay, so Lee, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of kind of like reflect back, and then and then we'll go from there. It, it's interesting. You started off, you know, thinking about work when you were younger. Um, you were you had a restaurant experience, and in that experience, you were like, you realized that you were giving people experiences. Hey, they're in your domain. I I really enjoy this part of it. Obviously next couple of steps you take, you're, you're going through, you know, experiences again, right? You, you travel overseas, um, you get this opportunity for a job. What a great experience you had. You go overseas, you have that experience, you end up coming back. Um, obviously with the, with the cleaning company, it's like, you're, you're, you're also giving people experiences, (laughs) which is, which is kind of cool. And then you get fascinated with the experience of work when you stumble into recruiting. Um, and so you get into recruiting, you're doing your PhD at the same time, and it really, really kind of like starts to starts to get a little bit more precise for you and intentional for you in your in your life. Um, and, and so that's I'm just kind of summarizing a little bit. Maybe you can give me a little bit of feedback on that. I've got some questions after this kind of steps after this. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was a great summarization. And, and, and I, the way I look at it, Danny, is I, in the rearview mirror, it looks like a constant unfolding. It looks to me like, you know, this, the choices that I made, the decisions that I made, you know, it was the divining rod at work that just kept saying, you know, mm-hmm. pulling me in and calling me. And all those decisions were, were a, a, along the path, if you will. Um, and, and I, what I, what I, I know that I was always, what I was always reaching for, Danny, was meaning. I was working, I was reaching for how do I become significant? How do I make a difference? How do I matter? Right. That's what I wanted. 
Um, and that's what I was pursuing. What did you have any idea what you wanted to what you wanted to matter for? So like if you I, ask yourself what I want to matter, what doing what? Well, when I when I got into the PhD program in the staffing business and into the recruiting space, I, I really loved that whole notion of and I was really focused at that time I was very focused on you know the the dissertation or the the PhD studies and then the dissertation. I quickly quickly realized that in this you'll see this as a theme is I didn't want to stay with just recruiting because I didn't want to just keep getting people jobs. I, I wanted to go and see, well, how do we actually develop the person once they're in the job? How do we make them bigger, stronger, more impactful? So then I got into you know learning and development. Um, did that for a couple of years, and then you know it was easy. So what was what was that like? That's interesting. Well, I, I, well, no, no surprise, right? That's my jam, right? I love learning and development, mm-hmm. and so inciting or catalyzing that in others was really significant for me. See, I would go and you know teach various kinds of professional development workshops inside organizations, whether it was on Crucial Conversations or StrengthsFinder, and I love the whole thing of helping people gain new insights to themselves, learn something about themselves that they didn't know. In fact, one of the circumstances through which we find meaning is when we learn something different and new about ourselves that we didn't know before. That's meaningful. That's a circumstance where we can find meaning. So to be the, the agent that helps cause that was incredibly interesting to me. Very, very fulfilling, fascinating work for me to get to do. So you hop out of recruiting, you you get a within learning and development are you working within a company or are you or are you working with a lot of companies through it? no no good question so um, I had got I started on my own path to work for myself um, in 2003 and I was I those I was still recruiting for various various clients back then while I was finishing my PhD which I finished in 2005 so I have been on my own path for most of my adult life after after I started my PhD and then the reason that, that happened in 2003 Danny's because I had the wonderful magical gift of becoming a mother and my husband at the time was a full-time consultant who traveled all the time and I was like you know I don't want to I'm going to continue working because working is really important to me but I need to do it on my terms so let me work for myself and um, that way I'm not putting her into daycare at 7 a.m. and picking her up at you know at 7 p.m. That For me that was just really important and I had a nanny that helped me sometimes and um, that was really what started my 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 real path to entrepreneurship. Mm. So you within the R&D, you started to go out and teach different you, you mentioned crucial conversations, you mentioned strengths finder, those types of things. You've mentioned logo therapy. Um, mm. t- tell me about that journey of of you know just working with companies and what you've what you've been doing with them. I think you might recognize a lot of it in what you've been doing as well. And that for me, it was like a natural progression, right? So it was like if you're in talent acquisition, the front end of the system, right? And then you go into learning and development, that seems to be to be a natural progression. I then found myself doing employee engagement work where I would go in and I would help organizations assess the level of engagement of their employees and then help them consult to how they could improve it. And I did that for a couple of years, and I loved that. And then I naturally found myself gravitated to help, wanting to develop leaders. How do we develop, you know, both managers and and then also leaders? And so I did that for several years, and then it naturally moved into organizational development, and then finally organizational transformation. Um, and so I would say um, that's probably where I was in t- in, by the time it was about two thousand. Uh, well, two thousand. 
16 was organizational development. And then I went to work for another management consulting firm for a couple of years. And that's where we got into the transformation space. So that's, you can, I think it's a natural, easy, you can see the progression. It just was a graduated yeah. journey. Yeah. So you, you went, um, you went from the one-on-one, somebody looking for a job to slowly going, okay, how, how does somebody, how does somebody more fulfilled within the workplace to how are people fulfilled within the workplace to how do you energize a whole workplace? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I got to tell you, here's, this is a really important, so uh, I would say a pivotal year for me, Danny was 2014. So I had decided in 2012 to go out and expand my dissertation research to now interview 115 men and women from 20 different professions among the ages of 18 and 70 to learn about their experience of, of meaning in their work and their identity. And I then found these 15 modes of engagement and and I had the opportunity at the time, this was so cool, and this so syncs with oh, everything that's yummy and juicy about the path is, um, I was called for that, Danny. I mean, it, this thing had me by the throat and was not going to let me go. And, and it was so much time and effort to produce this this, this postdoc research, which I, I fully funded on my own. I did it on my own. Later, I had another colleague who helped me on the back end do some of the analysis. And um, that was truly a labor of love, truly what it looks like to work with passion. Um, so from there, because I had done that research with my alma mater fielding, they said, hey, there's this business conference in India that if you if you apply for it and they accept you, one, you get to present your research, and two, you get to be academically published. And I went, no brainer, India's on my bucket list, I want to be academically published, published. I'll do it. So here it was, it's 2014, I've got this, these results, I've got a, a, an academic article, I'm going to India in December, and in November I get the opportunity to create a workshop from my new fresh research, and I do this, in, it was around basically engagement, and I present it and they love it, and I'm high as a kite, Danny, it's November of 2014, coming back from this first time delivery, and my phone rings. And it's Voice America calling me saying, hey, we found you on LinkedIn, went to your website. We see that you are a speaker. You're a consultant. Usually makes for a good host. Would you like to host your own show? And I went, I held the phone up from front of my room. I'm like, this is all connected. This is all connected, right? And so I went to, I went to India in 2014 and I presented and I had this amazing, profound experience connecting with other cultures and learning some of their language and spending three weeks there. Um, and I really realized that in, in that year, I had something really magical had had shifted in me in a way that could never go back. And that was that's really, I would say, the culmination for me. That I was 49 years old, and I, man, I was, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. So, so you you've used a couple of uh, awesome metaphors. You know, had me by the throat. <laughs> Did I, you know? You're just into it. Um, what, like, what did you describe that? Like, what was it about what you were doing, or you felt like you were doing that just captivated you and and got every ounce of your attention? Uh, I just, I was tireless. I could not put it down. That research was so all-encompassing of me, and I, I hung on every word of the interviews that I had, and I lovingly, you know, debriefed the research with all my participants, and I was back and fully in that really intimate space in people's lives, and bringing them to a new level of understanding about themselves and the process. Um, it just incredibly rich exchange, and then getting to 
present that and share that work and have it have it be so re- well received. People are like, I get it. I know what you're saying. I understand. It makes so much sense. And then getting to go to India, which had been on my bucket list for so long, it felt like, you know, it was just like, it felt like it was effortless. Like all these things were happening and I wasn't, I was just showing up, right? I was just doing me and it all just went kerplunk. It all just fit. And it, it just was a, it was a perfect mixture, the perfect ingredient list, if you will, for me. And that was 2014. And um, the, the other part of the story that's really important is, so I, I got present to that, Danny, and I I got a hold of that. And then in the early part of 2015, I didn't, again, didn't know, I took a step back. I didn't know what to do with all that. I had become something else again, like when I came back from, from um, Brazil. And I didn't quite know how to operationalize that. And so 2015, a lot of that was kind of floundering. I still had some clients I was doing some great work with. But I definitely, I realized, Danny, that at that time of my life, um, I would have been 50. I just, I, there was a part of me that was aware that I was not living to my potential. I knew I discovered and, you know, come up to a new level in my life, but I wasn't actualizing it and living it and, and making it my professional expression and I hated myself for it and I didn't understand why at the time or what to do it was, it was in the rearview mirror that I got that and this awful terrible um, feeling of just like oh my gosh I'm wasting my life this is not what I, I'm not living to what my what my potential can be was awful and I didn't I was married at the time I didn't know what to do with that and but my release valve came when my ex-husband well, husband at the time came to me in December of 2015 and said, I think I'm ready to be done now. And I went, oh, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that, but okay. Um, and it was really that opening, Danny, that let me step into a new clearing. I, I then, you know, because I had put some self-limiting restrictions on myself about how I thought I could express my purpose when I was married. And it just wasn't true. That was me. And so when I when I got divorced, it kind of forced me, like pushed me, like you you are gonna go do this, right? You now got no excuses. Get out there, Cortez, and that's what happened. That's that was really the major launch for me of of stepping in. I call it stepping into my shine and started to really claim my purpose. And you're and what are you doing now with it? So now, you know, um, I spent a couple of years in the other company and really got clear that this is great to do transformation work, but I really terribly, absolutely don't want to sell somebody else's product or service. I want to I want to deliver my own message, what I think is important to the world. So in July of 2018, I literally separated from that organization, jumped off the proverbial cliff to go work for myself again. I didn't have a single client that said, I want to work with you. I just knew there was no way I could deny this force inside of me that said, Cortez, this is your life, one precious life. Don't make any excuses, get to it, right? And that was one, and and so that year, Danny, was where I said, I'm going to do three things. I'm going to draft my book, I'm going to start a nonprofit, and I am going to create my own leadership program. And I did those things. And they were an expression of my purpose. And then 2019 saw me developing those. I actually delivered, I, 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 people entered the, the Vitally Inspired program and graduated in 2019. So I continue to consult on that front. Um, the nonprofit called Purpose um, on Fire was started. That helps people who have discovered their purpose unleash it. And then here we are, 2020 was to be something else, but actually it helped me tremendously because, um, you know, a lot of the work that I was doing, which required eyeballs and physicality, stopped. 
And so it gave me the space to go inward and get that book finished. So Purpose Ignited, How Inspirational Leaders Unleash Passion and Innovate Cause got done. Thank you, pandemic, COVID-19. It's on Amazon now. It's coming out November uh, 17th. And then the other thing, two other things happened. Um, I also really got present to, well, we, you know, we no longer need physicality to deliver our work. And so I really wanted to find a way to really put together in all one package everything that I had become and express it. So as you know, my language is important. Culture is important to me. Learning and development is still important. So as I said at the beginning, we launched Gusto Now, which is an e-learning platform and that it has my courses on it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. So I get to still work in those languages. Um, then there's also this anthology that I'm curating, which is where I was asked to create the, curate this thing. And so I have, and I have just a couple more people to go, but I have created this anthology where with, uh, 25 women from around the world are showcasing how they found their purpose and are persevering mightily to live it. And the whole idea is to help people recognize that purpose is available anywhere to anyone and it works and it makes a difference in the world with more people actually doing it. So I get to, I've chosen to and, and, and am determined to my, at my highest potential to live my purpose to make a difference that I hope makes an impact in the world. That's fantastic. That, I think, I think we're getting close to our time that's an example of essence mining. Obviously, with essence mining, you go through a couple of times and, and do this. And each time you reflect back, you uncover something a little bit more pivotal. But I think I think people will get a good idea. And I think you probably even got some insights into yourself on just um, the, the even even in a brev in the brevity of this interview. Oops, there was there was the timer telling me that it was time. No worries. <laughs> um, even within the brevity of the interview, um, how we were able to get into um, Elisa's meaning language and start to understand the patterns that were going on in, in Elisa's life through that language. We sure did. It was a great experience and you helped me really understand a lot of things, especially that thing about the importance of experience. That's that's a, that's a thread that I hadn't was not aware of before, Danny. So I really appreciate your contribution to me and to our listeners and our, and our viewers. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Danny Gutnick, his book, Meaning at Work and Its Hidden Language, or the work they do at Pathways, visit them at pathways.io. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We are on the air with Norman Wolf, the author of The Living Organization, Transforming Business to Create Extraordinary Results. We talked about how everything in life is about energy. Everything is energy and how results change dramatically when an organization is viewed by its leaders as a living organism, which must constantly evolve. Next week, we'll be on the air with Steve Brown, the author of The Innovation Ultimatum, How Six Strategic Technologies Will Reshape Every Business in the 2020s. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.